0: Rachel. And I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. That was
1: a new one. That <laughs> new was that
0: was I have t- to get more and more creative to I keep was, you laughing. Uh, I was trying
1: to figure out where you're gonna go with that one <laughs> halfway through it.
0: <laughs> Me too. Kind of sounded like a meow didn't it? A little bit. <laughs> um, I actually don't have a ton of housekeeping today do you? I anything? do not. Okay no. so just the usual. plugging our social means yes. follow us on insta twitter facebook at all Bad Things Pod. Yes. And you can email us, allbadthingspod at gmail. Um, if you want to see
1: a constant update of uh, pictures of our cats.
0: Yes, Instagram.
1: Look at our Instagram.
0: And if you want Rachel trying to be funny and failing, Twitter. And most <laughs> of our discussion takes place on Facebook, I would say. Sure. Like our most of our. Uh, our banter? Yes. <laughs> our our non inane banter with our. Um, listeners. Well, they're
1: wonderful listeners.
0: Yes. And we actually have a pretty long topic today, so it might be better just to kind of get down to it. Okay. Um, I'll plug my beer first. Today, I am drinking Tangled Vine Berry Rosé Ale. It's not actually rosé. And I was kind of sure? turned off, yeah, by the fact that they used the word rosé because I'm not a wine fan. But it's a sour. Yeah, it's not yeah. up your alley because it's a sour, but it's strawberries, cherries, and cranberries to produce the sour, and it's foothills out of Winston-Salem.
1: Yes, which we've, we haven't we have been to the actual brewery. But no, we we've to. been to the tap room. Yeah.
0: Which is busy as shit constantly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that little... Um, we've plugged it in another episode, I know, but that little bottle shop just... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then one like, chopped just like two down or three it.
1: doors down. Yeah,
0: from it. that's a nice alternative when they're stupid. When busy, it's a little so. crazy. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> so I gave you a hint mm-hmm. as to this week's episode. Do you remember what it was?
1: Uh, remind me again, because I know I guessed something.
0: A very American story.
1: Mm-hmm. And I don't remember what I guessed.
0: I mean, neither. I'm not sure you did.
1: I thought I threw something out there. Okay. I'm going with New Jersey.
0: uh, When you think America, you think New Jersey. (laughs) No, I do not. Okay. I was like, you're from (laughs) New York. (laughs) I was just throwing something out there. Okay. Well, let me home in on it a little bit and see if you can get it. It um, happened in Florida. Okay. But that's not necessarily, the geography of it is not particularly pertinent to this story. Okay. And it could have just as much happened in Texas, specifically Houston. What does coastal Florida and Houston have in common? I'm
1: going to guess we're talking about a hurricane.
0: No. <laughs> Do you know what it is? What? And you're just Oh, okay. We have a problem, Houston.
1: Oh, okay. Another. Oh, are we doing the Challenger? No. Oh, the Apollo 1? Yes. Okay. Ding,
0: ding, ding, okay. finally. <laughs> By the way,
1: Houston and South Florida also both get hurricanes.
0: But okay, I should have specified Space Coast of Florida and Houston. They rarely get the same hurricanes sure. because the the hurricane would have to travel like di- directly due west and slightly south to get to Houston, I think, from like Cape Canaveral, so anyway. I thought it was a really good hit. <laughs> Clearly it didn't work for you.
1: It probably uh, probably worked for most people, and I'm just the one people are like, "Oh yeah, you idiot."
0: <laughs> well, and Challenger was a good guess because they took off from Cape Canaveral.
1: Well, they, yeah, and you land. In everyone Houston. does. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh.
0: That's where. Yep. Um, liftoff happens at the Kennedy Space Center in Cape Canaveral, and for those who don't know or or, or aren't aware, in, in this the U.S. space program and um,
1: Re- re-entry. Oh,
0: uh, re-entry is controlled from Houston. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always happen there. Sure. I mean, as in landing there, it depends. Yeah. Um, But anyway, yeah. So, the Apollo 1 fire <laughs> yeah, is today's this is topic. Yeah, a bad one. It is. And we briefly mentioned it in our Challenger episodes.
1: It wasn't Challenger.
0: Shit. <laughs> oh, God. I will never stop getting those two mixed up in the Columbia <laughs> episodes. Good God, (laughs) let me drink more. Maybe that will help. Whatever. (laughs) Whatever. Okay.
1: But we we kept saying
0: (laughs) yes. We must in the Columbia. Oh my god! Because I remember listening to that
1: one when we when you were editing. Constantly, constantly. We said Challenger a lot during that one too.
0: Oh man, I wonder if in the Challenger one we'll say Columbia. I doubt it because I I think the default is Challenger. Yes. So okay. On January 27th, 1967, all three crew members of the Apollo 1 command service module died in a fire during pre-flight testing. What do you know, if anything, about this fire?
1: Really, just, just that. I mean, really, not, not much else. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to say that they were doing like a final test something and they were supposed to... Go to outer space in the next couple of days, mm. but I, I don't know if that's correct or not.
0: Okay. I just know
1: that there was a fire
0: mm-hmm. that
1: killed those three people.
0: Do you remember where you first heard of it? Or, like, the origins of that memory? Kind of. I,
1: I would guess probably when the Challenger happened.
0: Oh, okay. They, like, they would talk on the news about previous...
1: Comparing uh, yeah. astronaut deaths. Yeah.
0: There were more yeah, in Challenger. So, yes. And there were more in Columbia. There were bigger crews. And they, those were space shuttles.
1: Right. This just yeah, talking is about the Apollo program, yes. right? Right, this which is we'll get into. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. For me, it was Apollo 13. Do you remember the movie Apollo 13? Yeah. Tom Hanks, uh, Gary Sinise, Kevin Bacon. I
1: was going to say, don't forget Kevin Bacon. That's
0: right. And Bill Paxton. Yes. Not to be confused with the other Bill.
1: You're the only one that gets Bill's confused.
0: I am not the only one who gets <laughs> get Bill's confused. The one that was in while you were sleeping. Pullman. Pullman. Bill Pullman, the Independence Day guy. No, yeah, I know they're not the same person, but I don't know. But Um, to you, they are. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, I remember, because they very briefly touched, well, they touched on it in, like, uh, do you remember there was a scene where they showed like an astronaut pounding at the window in a module, in like a flashback sort of scene. I,
1: I have not seen that movie in quite know, a while. No, it's been well but for me
0: too. But I, still I saw it kind, many times.
1: You know what? I'm. You know what movie I'm actually thinking of that hmm. does kind of a montage to hmm. this tragedy. You'll never guess it. But, but Dumb and it was, Dumber. No, it was Armageddon.
0: Oh, okay. Really, <laughs> never saw it. They
1: shoot like a little smoochy love scene with Ben Affleck and Liv Tyler like close to there's a memorial there. Oh. oh and then okay. they show the memorial and it's like you know because they're about oh, to because yes. they
0: sacrifice their lives because yeah.
1: they're about to go into outer space and land on an asteroid.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Spoiler alert. Yeah,
0: right. <laughs> that,
1: that movie, that movie, holy shit, is literally 20 years old.
0: Doesn't Bruce Willis die in that movie? Yes, he does. S- That's all I know. Spoiler alert. <laughs> For those who were not wanting Armageddon to be spoiled. <laughs> For
1: those who were who are listening Jeez. and were born after 1998. There Which might be there might
0: 1990? be a couple of you. Sarah Q may have been born yeah. after
1: 1998.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's get into that, this. That
1: is my sad reference to this tragedy <laughs> is through the movie Armageddon. Well,
0: mine's through Apollo 13. So, and I'll be bringing that up a few times. So this is a long one. It's not. I don't think it's going to be long enough for a two-parter. But this is going to kind of be a mega-sode, and it's because. I did a lot of historical digging. Well, I mean, not like it was hard to do. <laughs> digging makes it, make it sound like it was a lot of effort. It wasn't, but...
1: You make it sound like you were a detective in 1983. Like, you went to the library right. all day. Right. Microfiche, microfiche. Yeah, I had to do all that. <laughs> and, like, no, I just looked it up on Wikipedia, Google.
0: Wikipedia, that's all it was. And, and
1: uh, typed it. <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> but anyway, I thought I thought, <laughs> I thought thought we'd go into the history of NASA and the Apollo Space Program. Absolutely. So, yes. We have talked about the space shuttle program in the Columbia episodes that we did um, on the space shuttle Columbia disaster, but we are going back even farther than that. So that happened in 03. This is 36 years before that is when this tragedy happened. Um, And we're going even farther than back into the origins of NASA and their moonshot. Sure. Their their, uh, uh, goal to land on the moon. So... The space program in the U.S. had its inception back in 1915. So this is before, like, spaceflight is even a thing. Sure. But Congress established the National Advisory Committee for Aeronautics, or NACA, N-A-C-A.
1: Okay.
0: Um, through, it was, it was one of those things that was, like, you know how we have it here in the U.S., and I'm sure this happens in other countries, too, but we're especially known for it, like, Congress will write this giant bill and then shove something into it, <laughs> you know, like uh, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act having mm-hmm. shit about drilling oil in well, that's Alaska. What they, that's what the,
1: <laughs> like the uh, moniker, that like pork, that's what that means when they put a bunch of pork into a bill.
0: Oh, really? What is yes. that? Yes.
1: It just means it's just they throw like, stuff like in Like a hot last... dog
0: mm. kind of throwing whatever parts yeah. they have into it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it it was, the creation of NACA was a rider on the Naval Appropriation Bill, which President Woodrow Wilson signed into law on March 3rd, 1915.
1: And the reason they're doing this Hmm. is because um, a world war has broken Mm -hmm. out, and flying is a very, very, very new technology at this point, and they're looking to militarize flying.
0: You just spoiled my next, like, three paragraphs. Oh, d- no, you I'm did. sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> kidding. It's okay. <laughs> that I- was the thesis statement, though. Well, we just <laughs> saw
1: the World War One. exhibit. <laughs> yes, we exhibit. did.
0: Anyone who's in um, the Raleigh area, and we know we at least have We have a Raleigh couple, yes. In, uh, listener, yes. Um, the North Carolina History Museum or mm-hmm. Museum of History?
1: Either or. Okay. More it's together. the one
0: that's downtown. <laughs> the
1: one that's in the capital city <laughs> <Yes>. of Raleigh. Yes. <laughs> It's the only one we have. Like
0: literally across from the <laughs> Capitol, right? <laughs>
1: yes, it is. Um,
0: uh, they have a great North Carolina in World War One exhibit. Like mm-hmm. they're specifically, it's all about World War One, but they tie in especially to it's North
1: Carolina, North Carolina themed. Carolina.
0: Yes, um,
1: <clears> but there's a lot of history. And, yeah. There's mm-hmm. plenty of history about the the whole war itself. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and
0: we went there last weekend. Yeah, or two, two weeks ago. ago. Yeah, with, with your with dad, the, yeah, with the old man. Yeah, it was it was very interesting. Um, so the the committee. So this is the this is NACA, the National Advisory Committee for Aeronautics. Their mission statement was quote It shall be the duty of the advisory committee for aeronautics to supervise and direct the scientific study of the problems of flight with a view to their practical solution, and to determine the problems which should be experimentally attacked, and to discuss their solution and their application to practical questions. End quote. Now I can imagine at this point there was a lot of problems with. <laughs> flight because flight was still very new. Um, Orville and Wilbur Wright had only flown at Kitty Hawk, shout out to North Carolina, Outer mm-hmm. Banks, um, not even 12 years earlier in December right. of 1903. Right. So in fact, or
1: Wright <laughs> brothers? <laughs>
0: right. Right, right brothers. on. ha. Huh, huh. That was bad. Yes, it was. In for fact, me. <laughs> well for me too. <laughs> In fact, Orville Wright himself was appointed by President Wilson to the NACA board in well, 1920. That, that makes sense. Right? They, the they, person who invented they literally, literally invented it. Literally the person who invented it, yes.
1: Yeah. Now, the so, Navy- yeah, you might want to have that person <laughs> on your board.
0: <laughs> they would seem to understand it maybe better than the average bear. Yes. Yeah. So the Naval Appropriation Bill was itself legislation meant to deal exactly what you said with the war in Europe, um, World War One, which the U.S. had not yet become involved with. Nope. But this was the first war in which there was a significant air presence. And it helped, as war often does, speed along technology. War t- ha- and needing to advance technology to have an upper hand in war has been a huge driver of technology throughout the years. Absolutely. Uh, for, for, like, not even just the years, through the millennia.
1: Like uh, weapons. Commu- <clears throat> and communication equipment, also.
0: Communication, transportation, absolute science, uh, mm. s- social constructs, absolutely. So many things. So Naka grew. So
1: war is good. That's what we're saying. <laughs> is
0: that is not what we're saying that. at all. <laughs> I'm a vegan. I don't. Think you I only have an,
1: really an iPhone because a lot of Japanese people had to die. Sorry.
0: Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Naka grew post war. <laughs> And instead of concentrating on combat flight, because this was peacetime, it began looking towards innovation in military and civilian flights, in civilian flight as its laboratories and flight at its laboratories and flight test facilities. Sometimes I try to pretend I'm not reading this because I write it the way I would speak, but then I misread it and then it gives it all away. Anyway.
1: I know how you feel.
0: (laughs) NACA employees were encouraged to think outside the box and pursue non-assigned projects, which would be lovely if literally every employer ever was willing to say that.
1: That would be pretty cool, but I guess back then, what else were you going to do? What do you mean? It's a brand new technology. Well,
0: yeah, they needed them to be innovative. Right. They needed them to be innovative. That's true. And so a lot of innovation did take place at NACA. By 1938... NACA had 426 employees and was developing multiple aircraft that would end up being key just a few years later during World War II, because this was just pre-World War II. After World War II, NACA continued its research into such topics as supersonic flight, which if mm-hmm. you want to learn a little more, we did cover we did that in episode. the crash of the Concorde. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And helping develop the X-15, an experimental high-speed rocket-powered aircraft that was a predecessor to spare to sparecraft. <laughs> <laughs> spacecraft.
1: <laughs> a predecessor to World of Warcraft.
0: World of Warcraft, exactly. Sparecraft.
1: <laughs> sparecraft is probably a character in World of
0: Warcraft. Sparecraft is kind of a cool word though, isn't <laughs> yes, it? Yes. I meant spacecraft, obviously. I like but, spacecraft, yeah. <clears throat> sparecraft, Sparecraft. <laughs> By nineteen fifty-seven, the Soviet Union, because obviously spacecraft. Huh. was not just being developed in the U.S. This was a worldwide thing, and the, the Soviet space Union... space race is on. Exactly. Soviet Union launched Sputnik.
1: Oh, I... Was, remember oh, that I, name? Well, I was hoping you would let me guess.
0: Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I probably wouldn't have got it. Oh, okay. I, also I do,
1: I did. I did remember it was in
0: 1957. Yes, but, yeah. yes. Um, also mentioned and We Didn't Start the Fire... <laughs> Do, 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 Um, Sputnik towing and light bridge on the river Kwai. Yep. Yeah. Do, 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 do,
1: no, I'm not going to yeah, do that No, yeah. that's
0: all right. And Sputnik was the Give first. Give that episode a listen. Here, here's your, yes, that was the lid of my episode three, I think. What was Sputnik?
1: I believe it was just a satellite. Yes. Yeah.
0: But it was the first satellite.
1: It was the first thing to go into <clears> outer space, controlled by man.
0: I don't remember when the monkey went up. Do you remember the monkey thing? I I didn't look into that, but also we'll say yes. (laughs) We could be wrong. Look it up if you care. But anyway, so yes, the space race was definitely on because how could the good old U.S. of A. let those commies beat us into into space? You know, those commie bastards. Yeah. So in 1958, James Killian, the chair of President Dwight Eisenhower's Science Advisory Committee, encouraged Eisenhower to form the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, or NASA. He said they should just go ahead and transform NACA into NASA, since the infrastructure, the staff, and the funding was already there, and it was just sort of like saying, okay, we're advancing regular flight, we're advancing um, aircraft, now let's talk about spacecraft. So it was a lot easier to just sort of transform a current administration or... Um, organization, than to start one from scratch. And by that point, NACA had 7,500 employees and $300 million of facilities. And this is 50s money, so...
1: And just think of how quickly... So this is all happening in 1958?
0: Well, yes, 58. You're right, right, 58. Mm -hmm.
1: Okay, so... Just 55 years earlier, we learned how to fly at yeah. all.
0: Oh, yeah. It's and crazy. Now, fast it all now we're talking together.
1: going into outer space. Yeah. So that's yeah. how much innovation and how quickly this technology yes. just yes. took
0: off. Yes. Uh, proliferated. Took,
1: off. You like took a,
0: off. Oh, I like that. Very hashtag
1: good. took off.
0: <laughs> so um, Eisenhower agreed to all this, and so NASA was born. In 1958, same year my parents were born. So NASA's 60 years old, and Madonna and Michael (laughs) Jackson, rest in peace. And Prince. Yes, I, I believe was so. Also yeah, it was a year for pop stars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. they'd all be. But staying.
1: Madonna is still alive. They're sixty. <laughs> so yeah, that's we're, right. We're not, she's sixty, and so, and so are your parents. <laughs> My
0: parents, yes, thankfully. <laughs> um, Prince and Michael
1: Jackson. Well, unfortunately not. But we didn't want anybody to get confused. Right. <laughs> like, wait, is Madonna dead?
0: <laughs> no, she's not. Not to our knowledge. Um, you know, I never mind. I'm not even going there. This just useless. Anyway. <laughs> One of the distinctions of NASA from NACA is that it was specifically established to be more civilian-oriented than military-oriented. They weren't necessarily looking to innovate in space for m- direct military purposes. This was for exploration, the advance of science, which therefore would be more civilian-based than military-based. So.
1: Well, it's, it turned out to be kind of a combination of the two. Because a lot of the, yeah, well, a lot of, funny. and still, most astronauts have a military military background.
0: They do, but that doesn't mean that NASA itself True. is yes. promoting the military. But
1: they're taking influence from both
0: sure. sectors. Sure, and I'm, I'm not yeah. saying that they weren't right. intermingled. It's just that NASA hasn't been trying, well, to our knowledge, to knowledge. <laughs> trying to develop, like, bomb-dropping aircraft, yes. or spacecraft, rather.
1: Or, or a, a space force. <laughs>
0: <laughs> sparecraft, I said.
1: No, 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 but oh. our our president said a space force. Did he really? Several I... times. <laughs>
0: what is... Okay, never mind. Yeah, let's well, not. No, it's not even. This is. Uh, we're twenty minutes in, and this is still, I'm I, still I, on the first I, page.
1: I like the sparecraft space force though.
0: <laughs> sparecraft space force. <laughs> yes, that's awesome.
1: Uh, we're copywriting that as soon. Trademark. Yes, by the time this airs, it's already trademarked. <laughs> so I don't even think about taking that. <laughs> That's ours.
0: Mm. All right. So NASA continued to the development of the X-15 and its eventual launch, as well as their first two human spaceflight programs. Take a guess at what the precursors to the Apollo program were called. Or do you know? Uh, One of them kind of sounded familiar to me. The other didn't. <clears throat>
1: I know around this time, they were launching satellites, I think, that were called Viking, but those are obviously unmanned. Yeah, this is so manned. So, I, I honest, before Apollo?
0: hmm Well, basically, like, the know. naming is, sure. is within the same. Project Mercury
1: yeah, was, was started in
0: 1958, and Project Gemini started in 1961. I've
1: heard of that. That than sounds than familiar, but not the par- not right. the Project Mercury.
0: No, I like to think it was named after Freddie, but I don't think so. <laughs> he would have been was, like 13 he wasn't, at that point. I was going to say, he wasn't a star yet. <laughs> or um, started, yeah, started fifty. Anyway. anyway. Um, Project Mercury was responsible for launching the first American into space. Can you name the first American in space? I couldn't. I mean, oh, I, I recognize the name, but I couldn't have named it out of the blue. Uh,
1: I want to say Neil Armstrong, but he was the man on the moon.
0: Right. Uh, the
1: I know. I, as soon as you say it, I'll know it. Who,
0: Alan Shepard.
1: Ah, who I was thinking. Okay. Oh, okay. No. You'll
0: recognize this next name, though. Um, who, who was the first American to orbit the Earth? <sighs> he died, No, well, I guess it was a little while ago. I think. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's still alive. John Glenn.
1: That name? Okay. Yes. Yeah. So I I feel dumb on my uh, NASA history. Well,
0: so did I. I had to look all this shit up. I didn't know any of it.
1: (laughs) I used to know this. I did. But but I've since forgotten.
0: I never did. Homeschooler, remember. Self-homeschooler. So Project Gemini resulted in the first American spacewalk by astronaut Ed White. Okay. So there was that. Now, let's talk about the Apollo program itself. In 1961, in addition to Project Gemini, NASA also began the Apollo program, also known as Project Apollo. Uh, the name came from NASA manager Abe Silverstein. Steen I believe. Yes, Steen, who said he was, quote, naming the spacecraft I like I'd name my baby. <laughs> so apparently this guy would have named his kid Apollo.
1: Or maybe he like had Like Apollo one. Creed. Maybe he oh, had maybe a kid. Maybe he did. Maybe yeah. he did,
0: yeah. Um, and Apollo's the Greek god of light, music, and the sun. Even though the Apollo projects, the Greek going gods to move. have
1: the Greek gods have many uh, different skills. It's pretty fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: they're multitaskers. They you, know, are. you can't pin them in. Um, the project was initially a bunch of feasibility studies on further manned space exploration. But on May twenty fifth, nineteen sixty one, President John F. Kennedy addressed Congress. And just what did he propose?
1: To go to the moon.
0: Exactly. By when?
1: 19... I think he actually got the date... The year right. 1960... He, by the end of this decade... By the end of this decade...
0: Did he say decade?
1: Yeah, well, he has that...
0: Oh, I, the accent. I, the Boston I accent. I gotcha.
1: Let me try to do my terrible Boston go for accent. It. I can't remember what he said. But he did <laughs> say... I remember he said... By the
0: end of this decade. Decade. Well, decade. Decade. <laughs> Well, land put man on the moon. Do you
1: actually have what he said?
0: Um, well, I just have one little snippet. He said in in his own words, by the end of the decade, quote, landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to the earth. Oh,
1: so, okay. yeah. it
0: wasn't just reaching the moon, it was getting, getting him back.
1: Getting back. Which, <laughs> it wasn't leaving them there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that would just be half the battle. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like, no, got to get back to.
1: Who wants to be the first people to, to live on the moon and on die the, on the moon? Yes, yeah. <laughs> and die. Uh, very shortly after. <laughs> yes,
0: exactly. As soon as your oxygen runs out. <laughs> yeah. So, so yes. And it, it was following through on one of his election promises, which was to make America superior to the Soviet Union when it came to space exploration and missile defense, which is also a part of... That's sort of the military aspect of um,
1: and spacecraft. Just sparecraft. about... Uh, sparecraft, yes. The Sparecraft Space Force. Yes. Um, but... One of the main reasons we're allowed to do this podcast in our bedroom over a computer mm-hmm. over a mic, all this stuff,
0: is satellites. comes
1: from right when he made that plea oh. to Congress mm-hmm. because this was all about what are all the big degrees to have now STEM. You know that's uh-huh. that's where this
0: so like all the, the, fundi- te- and, the funding and the
1: funding and the pushing it. The we need to be number the one, emphasis one in technology. In- Technology. Worldwide. Gotcha. Like every every piece of technology we have today
0: mm-hmm.
1: stems from this era. It really does.
0: Stems.
1: Stems. From from his oh, Very wow. Very clever. I didn't even do that on purpose. <laughs> no,
0: you're just clever without even knowing it. Yes.
1: <laughs> but, but honestly, like that's why we have it was
0: the encouragement all the fancy gadgets we do today. Yeah. yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. It was science, math, philosophy, engineering, engineering all that mm-hmm. stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. So, accordingly, because of Kennedy's um, moonshot proposal, the Apollo mission Cha-ching. became aligned with the goal of landing and returning man to and from the moon. Um, So because all of this was supposed to happen within, think of this, the next eight years. Within a decade. Yes. And this was 1961 when he was saying this. There's only eight years left.
1: They've lost a year already.
0: Exactly. A huge amount of resources and ingenuity had to be thrown NASA's way, and it was $25 $25 billion was committed to the Apollo program, which is over $100 billion in today's dollars. Okay. So they were just throwing billions at it. Now, imagine what we could do if we funneled some money from military forces and defense spending and put that into spaceflight now. Imagine where we could go. End of political rant. Um, <laughs>
1: well, just the technology that would come out of it. Yes, again.
0: exactly. Anyway, whatever. So... Um, I have a problem with irresponsible spending, and I believe that spending as much as we do on defense when we're just sticking our fucking noses in places is just a terrible idea. Okay, now, end rant. Move on. You
1: need to do the books.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I need to do the books (laughs) for the government, damn it. (laughs) They would hate me. They would
1: hate me. They would hate you. They
0: would despise me.
1: I would be fearful of your life because you'd probably be shot in the back of the head. I'm the
0: most honest person I know, therefore they would (laughs) kill me. Yeah, they would kill
1: you, yes. (laughs) All right, and blame it
0: on me. <laughs> <laughs> they would totally frame me. <laughs> <Yes>. successfully, obviously. <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, the Apollo program also. Um, oh, and also, just this is a hundred billion dollars during peacetime that's being funneled sure. into this. So now we were technically at Cold War with Russia, but mm-hmm. that's no battles. You know, there's no active battles. Also this not, was our battle. It was not, the space race. Also,
1: not really peacetime either.
0: Well, that's. It really And isn't. this was gearing up to Vietnam. That's like, even, true, too early. This, this was before, though. But
1: even when I was a little kid, mm-hmm. I mean, I was a little kid in the 80s, mm-hmm. there was, like, there was a uh, an atmosphere, we'll say, about yeah, the Cold War. Yeah. Um, you kind of had it in tension. your. tension. Well, by the time I was a little kid, it was more of like a, okay, this is what's going on. Mm -hmm. I was too little to feel the tension or know what it was. By the time it was over, I was 12 or 13. Um, Okay. So. I was like six. But I, but I know from talking to my parents and like talking to other older adults that they're like, yeah, like it was just like a, it was just a vibe that everybody had. Everybody was kind of on edge.
0: Yeah, Tension. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Um,
1: kind of like we are all right now. <laughs> all the
0: time, just <laughs> constantly now. So the Apollo program also immediately chose what... So so they, they had been just doing like these feasibility studies, but then Kennedy's like, we're going to the moon in, within eight years, and they're like, oh shit, okay, what's our best study so far? Let's throw all our money at that. And so they did. And the best... ...of their feasibility studies was the command-service module design proposed by Maxime Faget, one of NASA's in-house designers. Okay. So, they're like, okay, command-service module designs are best shot at the moon shot. So, the command-service module is basically made up of two segments, the command module and the service module. Duh, I know, but... The command module... Oh, I have a picture... I put a Q <laughs> in my <laughs> in my notes to show you, and I'll need this back because it has some text on it too. That is mm-hmm. the Apollo's command module, yes. com- uh, c- CSM, command service module. Or no, sorry, command module. Yes, um, this is Apollo 11's command module. So that's the one that landed on the moon, or the first no, one that, that commanded the mm-hmm. landing. Yeah. Um. It's ca- so for like. Feel free to Google a. <laughs> google the picture while we're talking about this but it's like a cone shape but cut off at the top and the bottom it's not pointy or whatever
1: it is definitely not a space shuttle
0: no no <laughs> it's not it's not even close no not even remotely a space shuttle is like a plane mm-hmm. basically a giant plane but no this isn't anything like that this is
1: like a this looks like a giant liberty bell with a window in
0: yeah, it yeah kind of kind of <laughs> and this is where the crew actually lives in commands mm-hmm. as the command module um and when, where they are when they re-enter the Earth's atmosphere and splash down in the ocean. That's what that is meant for as well. The service module is a big cylinder, and it's what propels them up to space. Not, not the actual rocket, but it's what, like, does this. <laughs> Can you describe what I'm doing? I don't uh, know. You are
1: moving your uh, arm hand.
0: up yes. <laughs> to indicate Swiftly. taking off. Yes, <laughs> yes, taking off. There you go. It helps in intake. I,
1: I really wish our audience could see that.
0: <laughs> I'm glad they can't. <laughs> so, um... It's also where they store all the shit that they need during the mission. Like, this is obviously not that big. No. This, the command module.
1: No, it's very small.
0: Right, and it's meant for just housing the crew and them to splash down and to have all the, like, the gidgets and doohickeys they need. Those are technical <laughs> terms. They are. Um, but all their shit that they need is in the big cylinder. Um, so, anyway, if you remember my second... Um, reference to Apollo 13, they talk a lot about the different parts of the spaceship. Do you remember when they like were training on um, reconnecting to the module and the, the releasing the modules mm-hmm. and all that stuff? So yeah, they're, they're, that plays kind of heavily into that. Anyway, as development in the Apollo program continued, Kennedy kept the moonshot in the public consciousness... So in September 62, he gave a speech at Rice University and gave another um, famous line of, quote, We choose to go to the moon in this decade and to do the other things, not because they are easy, but...
1: Because they are hard. That's, <laughs> that is the speech that I was talking about. Oh,
0: okay. That's what you were thinking. That's
1: where he says decayed.
0: Oh, okay. Does, is not that-
1: because they are easy, but because they are hard.
0: That was good. Did you like that one? I did like that one. Is that when he said, ask not what you can do for your country, but I, what your country mm, can do for no, you? No,
1: I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> oh, that was not
0: Boston accent at all.
1: <laughs> no, that wasn't of Earth, I'm sure. I'm not sure what an It was a
0: moon accent. <laughs> I have a
1: moon accent. <laughs> a that was the, accent. That was the uh, Apollo accent.
0: Uh, let's, but, uh, let's just <laughs> keep going here. <laughs> so a year later, in September 1963... Construction of the Manned Spacecraft Center, or the MSC, which was also later named the Johnson Space Center in Houston, was completed. And it also become apparent that the current facilities at Cape Canaveral on the east coast of Florida wouldn't be sufficient for the Apollo launches, and construction began in 1962 and finished in 65 for the new Launch Operations Center, which by that time, along with the whole facility at Cape Canaveral, had been renamed the Kennedy Space Center by now-President Lyndon Johnson after the late President Kennedy, who obviously had been assassinated in November 63. After much debate in the Apollo's initial spacecraft development, It was decided that a strategy called Lunar Orbit Rendezvous, or LOR, would be used to achieve the actual moon landing. So they were like, okay, we know we need to land on the moon. How the fuck do we do this? And they had a bunch of ideas of how they would do that. And they had to make a decision, and they decided on Lunar Orbit Rendezvous. So they designed a lunar module, yet another module, for this spacecraft... Um, also known as lem mm-hmm. or the lunar exclusion or excursion it mod kind Module. kind of
1: i don't know if you have a picture of it or not but uh, i
0: don't with me but i saw pictures yeah it kind
1: of looks like a box and with
0: little legs yes
1: that and can land on it, the moon. Lo- it would look actually it looks like a refrigerator box with legs it's yeah. like tall yeah. and slender it could only fit two of them
0: right that's why the med- other yeah.
1: the one astronaut actually stayed ne- in
0: the command module yes, yeah had to yeah, well, you can't leave the spacecraft, <laughs> no. man. The thing
1: that you need to get back home, somebody needs yes. to be in that thing <laughs> to swing around and pick you up.
0: Right. <laughs> so that's so that's what they did. They would dis, they they came up with this idea. They would disconnect the LEM from the main part of the spacecraft, land it on the moon. The rest of the spacecraft would orbit the moon and then return back into the lunar orbit. Mm-hmm. And rendezvous and redock with the rest of the spacecraft. Now don't ask me to get any more detail than that. That's just
1: There is honestly a as best
0: as I can great
1: it. show that was on uh, HBO in the late nineties. Mm. It was it was called I, From the
0: Earth to the Moon.
1: Yes. Do you talk about that in here?
0: No, I don't because oh. I never saw it. But it was oh. it was Tom Hanks too. It was it yeah, was around the time it. of Apollo 13
1: Mm-hmm. Um, meaning
0: the movie, not the <laughs> spacecraft.
1: Right. But uh, it sucks that it's not on HBO's app. because it it's oh, not? Oh, that's too bad. And the, the, it was uh, epic when
0: it came out. The DVD
1: is like 75 bucks because uh, it's like kind of rare. A
0: collector's item.
1: Yeah. And I want to watch it again, but they did a whole episode.
0: On the lunar. On
1: how they came up with the idea for the, the LEM.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, from what I could tell, it, it seemed like NASA had kept that... Sort of spirit of NACA where it was like ingenuity and
1: ideas matter, yes, and you know, and
0: thinking outside the box mm-hmm. and a lot of creativity to, that led to what they were yeah, actually if able If you have to an
1: do. idea, um,
0: no idea make, is too dumb, basically. make it come
1: to fruition, right. and if it does, then we'll, we'll figure consider it out it. and
0: pitch it, yeah, yeah, exactly. So the lunar module would then be discarded as space junk, and the command module would, would return to Earth. So, lots of docking and expelling, and like I said, that was depicted in um, Apollo 13. And like I said, how this was all determined or accomplished, I have no freaking idea, and I obviously didn't in, look into in, it in too this, far. In this
1: fucking thing. I mean, look at this I thing. I know, right? <laughs> it's not even, it, that's like That's like probably what the toilet looks like in the space <laughs> shuttle. <laughs> It looks like that.
0: Well, no, they don't have toilets in the space shuttle. I'm, I'm kidding. You know how they pee in space. I
1: do. Yes. But if they had a toilet in the space shuttle, it would it look, would look like, like the It would look like the, the command original. module.
0: Yes. <laughs> so, yes, I'm not a rocket scientist, how literally. That, uh, just I Just looking
1: cannot. at it, though, like, how the fuck was that thing flying through space? Right. It doesn't make well, any sense. Well, because it had
0: other shit connected yeah, to it. Yeah, I know, it. but still. Well, I mean, yeah, I, that doesn't help <laughs> at all, but yeah. Anyway, the Lunar Orbit Rendezvous was super important and thought to have played a big part in the eventual success of the Apollo missions. So it took several years of development, but finally they started to plan the first actual flight of the Apollo program, um, AS-204, which would later become, known as, become to be known <laughs> as Apollo 1.
1: So AS-204 was the Apollo flight number. Oh, okay. Apollo sparecraft. Oh,
0: (laughs) yes. That's the A-S, right? It would be the first manned test flight of the Apollo command service module. The purpose of Apollo 1 was to test the launch procedures, the ground tracking, and control facilities. So from the get-go, the purpose of Apollo 1 was not to land on the moon itself. Sure. Like, this was just... They, testing it out. Yes, they were testing one aspect of everything out. They knew this that Apollo one was not going to the moon. That was not the purpose of it. So, but obviously it was very important for future flights that would eventually get to the moon. So
1: they were going to see what this thing was potentially capable of and build on it from there.
0: Well, yeah, it was it was for launch procedures mm-hmm. and stuff. So they had to make sure that that part of things was going to work. So yeah. Apollo 1 didn't even have the lunar module because at that point they still when they were designing Apollo 1 and and like getting going with that mission, they still hadn't settled on that lunar orbit rendezvous strategy that we discussed. So they were still that was still kind of up in the air. Um, and the plan was for the spacecraft to be in orbit for two weeks for 14 days. So in January of 1966, almost five years after JFK's moonshot speech, the crew for Apollo 1 was chosen by NASA Director of Flight Crew Operations, Deke Slayton, who I'm pretty sure was mentioned in Apollo 13. I remember somebody named Deke.
1: Probably. Probably. I guess it was him. But yeah.
0: Anyway. Um, there's, so, there's only
1: so many people named Deke.
0: Right? <laughs> so they still... This was five years later, 1966. Mm-hmm. No one had gone up in space for the Apollo program. Sure. And uh, So... Uh, they've still got a ways to go, obviously. Oh, yeah. So, So there would be three crew members, uh, Command Pilot Virgil I. Gus Grissom, who had been in space twice before, Senior Pilot Ed White, who I mentioned before is the first person to do a spacewalk, so he had been in space once before, and Pilot Don F. Isel, for whom this would be his first ever spacecraft. So he was a rookie. During weightlessness training... Um, aboard the so-called Vomit Comet. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> you know, the par- parabolic mm-hmm. flight. That's how they did the yes. weightless gravity um, shots for Apollo 13 and for other, like, Hollywood magic type stuff. That's how they can simulate weight- weightlessness for a s- small period of time. Yeah. Um, anyway, during those training flights, Isel took... Uh, uh, dislocated his shoulder twice. And ended Cow. up needing surgery. Yeah. So... He had to be taken I, out of the I know what it feels in. like
1: to have have it happen once.
0: Yeah. And doesn't, then imagine doesn't it doesn't feel again. very good. <laughs> no. And at that point <laughs> he just had to have it operated on. So um so he had to be replaced. So Deke Slayton replaced him with another rookie, Roger B. Chaffee. Now it's just a sp- like a rookie as far as space flight goes. Obviously they these are all highly trained pilots. Like you said, I I forget, I feel like I looked at them, but They were probably all ex military, but many, many astronauts are ex military.
1: Plus, at this time, most American men, period, are ex military. Right,
0: had just served in the army, especially were taught, well, we're talking 20 years removed from the end of World War II. So, like some of the older, not older guys, but middle aged guys, the more experienced guys probably did serve in World War II. Some of the younger guys probably served in, like, Korea. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Absolutely. Or
1: what would now be uh, some of them, well, they'd be going to Vietnam at this time.
0: Right, but, if they were really young, yeah. Yeah. So the original, oh, uh, da, da, da. okay, on March 21st, 1966, the backup crew was announced. There was always a backup crew, obviously. Um, and that ended up changing by the end of the year, but it's not super pertinent for this story. So anyway. The original goal for the Apollo 1 flight date was by the end of 1966, but delays pushed it into 67, um, with the eventual scheduled launch being February 21st, 1967. One of the delays was just caused by the sheer complexity of the command service module design and construction, um, which was being overseen by NASA engineer Joseph F. Shea. The crew of Apollo 1 had a meeting with Shay to review the spacecraft on August 19th, 1966, and they had some concerns about the module. Specifically, they pointed out the large amount of nylon netting and Velcro in the cabin. Why would they be concerned about that?
1: Uh, Because it's a fire hazard.
0: A little bit, a little bit flammable. Um, And this is one of the ironies of this whole story. Um, the crew took a picture as a joke to send to Shed. I'm going to show it to you. Do you see what they're doing? They've got prayer hands.
1: Oh, over the module.
0: Over a, 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 like a-, a mod- model of the module. Yes. And they sent him a copy of this photo, and it said, quote, it, like an inscription, quote, It isn't that we don't trust you, Joe. But this time we've decided to go over your head," end quote. So,
1: astronaut humor.
0: Astronaut humor. It's
1: right up there with logger humor <laughs> and uh, trucker humor
0: and Alaskan fisherman humor. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and
1: men who could actually die.
0: Yeah. Gallows humor. humor a little bit, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, they they obviously at this point did not know that they would die, but um. Well, so they, they were
1: off. They were obviously thinking about it in that y- photo.
0: Yeah, and being very cute about it and mm-hmm. making it more of a joke than saying, what the fuck are you thinking, sending us up in this thing oh, with a no, bunch of nylon. They were... They're
1: willing to do it.
0: Yeah, but they were still getting their point across, you mm-hmm. know. And um, Shay did respond by telling his staff to remove the flammable materials. Oh, okay, so, didn't, so... It didn't fall on deaf ears, for what it's worth, but we'll get back to that mm-hmm. anyway. A week later, CM012, Command Module 012 the Apollo 1 spacecraft, the command module, was shipped to Kennedy Space Center. It had been given a conditional certificate of flight worthiness because it still had a bunch of engineering changes that had to be completed on it, but apparently that's not that wasn't super out of the ordinary. Um, testing was a frustrating process to the crew and to the engineers and continued throughout 1966. So from August through the end of the year, they were just constantly working on the engineering of this thing.
1: There were a lot of problems.
0: Yeah. In December of 1966, Command Pilot Gus Grissom was interviewed about the upcoming flight and was asked about the possibility of catastrophe. He responded, quote, You sort of have to put that out of your mind. There's always a possibility that you can have a catastrophic failure, of course. This can happen on any flight, it can happen on the last one as well as the first one. So you just plan as best as you can to take care of all of these eventualities, and you get a well-trained crew, and you go fly. End quote. And this is the crew. Here's a picture for you. Mm-hmm. So that's Chaffee, White, and Grissom. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right. Are we ready? Now that the, we've set all this up.
1: Uh, let's just end it right there. All right. This is another episode of All Bad Things. <laughs> This has been an episode about the space program. Mm.
0: Yay! We landed on the moon. Let's move on. <laughs> Let's move on. So, on January 27th, 1967, yet another of the many, many tests for the Command Module 012 took place. It was a launch simulation, specifically what was known as a plugs out test, which doesn't really matter what that means for our purposes, and frankly, I couldn't really understand it when I read it. We'll just throw it on. out so, there. Whatever. Yeah. What does matter is that it was considered to be a non-hazardous test because the spacecraft involved in the test had no fuel or flammable cryogenics gas on board, and the pyrotechnic systems... Because I guess that's a thing on spacecrafts. Sure. Were disabled. So the idea is, look, there's no fuel. There's nothing that's going to catch on fire as far as like flammable gases or whatever are concerned. And the pyrotechnic system, for whatever the reason, we've got that <laughs> as a thing anyway, um, which sounds dangerous. It was disabled, so that wasn't a thing. At one p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, so this is January twenty seventh, sixty seven. Grissom, Chaffee, and White entered the command module, all suited up in their spacesuits, strapped into their seats, and hooked up to the command module's oxygen and communication system. So, full blown, like we're going into space. This was a simulation. About 20 minutes later, Grissom commented he sm- smelled something funny, which he called like a quote, sour buttermilk, end quote, scent. They stopped the stimul. Now, to their to their absolute credit, they stopped the countdown. They were like, "Okay, hold up." They took air samples. They were very careful, and they couldn't find a cause of the odor. So they resumed the simulation at two forty two p.m. So they clearly they took their time trying to. Okay, wait, are we sure we're good here? What's the smell? They tested everything, couldn't find anything. So okay. At two forty-five p.m., the hatches to the spacecraft were sealed, and the air in the cabin was replaced with pure oxygen at a higher pressure than normal atmospheric pressure. Pressure per, per so many so much alliteration <laughs> that I put in there. Atmosphere higher than normal atmospheric pressure per procedure.
1: Can, can I give it a try? Yeah. Uh, atmospheric
0: pressure per procedure.
1: Atmospheric pressure per procedure. That, <laughs> is, that is tough. Procedure, <laughs> per per, per procedure, procedure. Per procedure. Per <laughs> procedure. Atmospheric pressure. Continue on, please.
0: So, uh, however, as they continued in the simulation, a master alarm went off um, as a result of a high oxygen indicator. The crew and personnel discussed this, so they had a whole conversation about this, and they determined it was likely resulting from the crew's movement, though the issue was never actually resolved, and the alarm kind of kept going off periodically throughout the simulation as a result of the oxygen indicator. So, again, there were some flags being raised, but they were also being dealt with, and not haphazardly. Like, they they, they they took the time. The, The crew was involved, um, they they weren't the, being like
1: oh forget about that alarm that's exactly, nothing exactly no
0: the the staff was taking the crew's concerns <coughs> um, seriously the staff was maintaining communication with the crew it was actually like they were dealing with it the right way
1: well they are essentially trying to troubleshoot every potential problem
0: right. Anything that,
1: that could arise. Right. It's
0: a simulation. And that's so, yeah.
1: that's mm-hmm. the main reason for this. They're right. not going anywhere.
0: Right. They're they are, right on the ground.
1: They're simply going through the procedures of what you would have to do going
0: through the motions to go to exactly. space.
1: So they have to, for their own knowledge yes. and for their own...
0: Learning, for yes. their own development yeah. of the of the. Okay, you're
1: smelling console. this funny smell. Shut it down. Let's figure Test out what it, it is. Okay, this alarm keeps going on off.
0: What is it? Shut Let's it talk down. about it. let
1: mm-hmm. so they're probably expecting some of these things yeah, to happen.
0: Exactly, it wasn't like it was out of the ordinary. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. As the simulation continued, problems with the communications systems popped up. For one thing, Gus Grissom's microphone was stuck on. Um, now that wasn't necessarily like a. Okay, halt everything problem. Because, okay, so his microphone is stuck on. We'll, one of those, we'll,
1: we'll deal with that microphone. later. Yeah.
0: That is not a dangerous no. thing necessarily. So, um, But in spite of this, he was having a problem hearing and being heard by the control room. Now, that is a problem. And these communication problems eventually extended to the communication... Uh, pro- to... Excuse... Commu- <laughs> me. <laughs> Ex communication problems.
1: <laughs> Speaking of communication problems.
0: Seriously. I'm sorry, I'm in my third beer and this one's an 8%er. These communication Houston, problems.
1: Houston, we have we a have, problem. We
0: have a communication problem these communication problems eventually extended to communication problems with crews in other buildings who were also working on the simulation. So not everyone was like literally just in this one area. There were crews, you know, over electronic communications. Of course. Very standard, whatever. So um, at 5.40 p.m., the countdown clock was stopped at T minus 10 minutes because of the issues as they were working to sort things out. Now, this... Um, countdown clock wasn't a real countdown, because they weren't really launching, but it was, again, just for the procedures and everything. And by 6.30 p.m., the countdown had yet to resume. So this was almost an hour later, and they're still like, okay, we need to be able to hear the fucking astronauts, the fucking astronauts need to be able to hear us, like, we gotta figure this shit out. And
1: that's probably exactly what they picked up on radio traffic.
0: I think so! (laughs) You gotta think that there was a shit ton of swearing. This was a bunch of guys, a bunch of, like, ex-military That's guys. That's true. In the there 60s. There probably
1: was. There was probably a lot of uh, foobars mm-hmm. and... Um,
0: snafus. Snafus. Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: Situation normal. All
0: fucked up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and fucked up beyond all recognition. That's mm-hmm. foobar, right? Okay. Yes, it is. So, remember. So, so this is, like, by six 630, this shit's still trying to get figured out. These guys had gotten into this fucking spacecraft five and a half hours before, so they were still. St- That's besides what's about to happen. That makes me feel really bad for them. <laughs> they had been stuck. I mean, they're going to be stuck for days. Was the idea, but still. I
1: would lose my shit if I was stuck on a runway out of a plane for oh like five and, five and a half hours.
0: <laughs> I yes, I've heard those horror stories, and they are horrific. Yeah. So, yes.
1: Because it's just like, I only have to go right, there, I can just right and there. Can you just let me off? And these guys
0: are like, we're just <laughs> pretending. Can yeah. I please just go for a walk yeah. right now? I have to pee. That would be my thing, obviously. <laughs> but anyway. So they were still undergoing this entire exhaustive process. It must have been miserable. But, okay. Now, the rest of what I'm about to tell you um, about the communications with the command module and what everybody said is available in audio recording. It's available on the Wikipedia page for anyone who wants to hear it, and I did listen to it, but yeah. I am, don't listen to it. Yeah. Not You're not a fan to. of that type no. of stuff. So. I mean, I'm not a fan of it, but I will listen to it. But anyway, so at 6.30 p.m., Gus Grissom remarked, And it was very offhandedly, just kind of like, oh, God, we've been in here for five and a half hours. How are we going to get to the moon if we can't talk between two or three buildings? (laughs) Which is a very valid point. It's a valid point. Valid point. (laughs) So he was probably, if I were him, I would be, like, fucking cranky as shit. I'd be hangry, too, let's face it. So, and the way he said it was very, like, lighthearted. So he was actually being a really good sport about it. I would not have been. I would have been a bitch about it, but... So he was being pretty good.
1: I see how you could take it either way, but I see how he was being funny about it. Like, he, was hey, he
0: was being a wise wisecracker. Hey, about guys.
1: You know, smarty pants over there.
0: He's being a little smart uh, about it. Yeah. It was, it was How are we supposed to communicate
1: on the moon when exactly. we can't communicate from half a mile away? If you
0: listen to it, it's very offhand, very <laughs> yeah. light. He's not mean yeah. to buy it, but whatever.
1: It's very bro of him.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so on this recording, after that comment, there's about a minute, a full minute, of just silence. These guys are just sitting there waiting for them to figure out the shit. You know, whatever. Then at 6.31 p.m., a spike in voltage readings was recorded um, with equipment in the control room, which is thought to have possibly indicated a short circuit. Now, at that point on the recording, you can hear Chaffee say, We've got a fire in the cockpit. It's And then the next... There's some more speech, and it's kind of garbled, difficult to understand. It's been interpreted as several different things. Um, It's generally thought to have been something to the... Something like, let's get out, we're burning up. Or let's get out, open her up. Or something like that. And then... And you can hear this on the recording, and it is really sad. Um there's a sound of someone yelling, like a scream, for several seconds. And this was the sound of the crew as they began to be burned by the fire that had started in the command module. Within 17 seconds of the spike in the voltage, there were no more voices coming from the spacecraft. So there was just radio silence at that point. So, remember, this spacecraft had been filled with what?
1: A lot of oxygen.
0: Pure oxygen. Oxygen. Too much. Well, what does pure oxygen... What does uh, it, oxygen it do it for
1: will, a fire? Well, make it go even...
0: It, oxygen yeah, is fuel. Just, oxygen. Uh, fires like when you, look when you for f- oxygen. When
1: you first said... Because, again, I didn't really know much about how this happened. But when you were talking about... Okay, there was a... The second, t- the second time they took a break.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: One of those... Uh, the fact the, that there was too much oxygen, oxygen set off uh, so a alarm. So, here's the thing so from what... I'm just what, like, I just knew right then. But
0: here's the thing. From what I can tell, mm-hmm. that wasn't the factor. It was supposed to be pure oxygen. Mm-hmm. So, the fact that that high oxygen level indicator went off, it was like, I didn't quite get the connection between, well, why did it go off when it was like, it was supposed to be pure oxygen. Mm-hmm. From what I can tell, that was not a factor, Okay. As far in as much as it shouldn't have been pure oxygen, apparently it was supposed to be. Okay. I think this was. I mean, we're talking about we're talking about fucking like rocket science. It was kind of hard. We're, to understand We're talking about stuff. Uh,
1: 1967 rocket science. Yes. Things have come a long way.
0: As being um, reiterated by a homeschool dropout. So <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: And someone without a college degree.
0: Uh, well, yes. <laughs> But, and someone without a bachelor, so yes, so so anyway, these guys didn't stand a chance. They were no. in a pure oxygen environment. The fire was so intense it ruptured the inner wall of the command module. Jesus and these things are Christ. built to, like yeah. you know, these when they enter yes. Earth's atmosphere, there's like shit tons of fire coming. I mean, if Apollo 13 is correct, <laughs> which I imagine it was, because well, I trust Ron how done his uh, research. One of the
1: one of the layers they have to get through. Yes becomes so hot. Mm-hmm. So what? What they've built has mm-hmm. to has to withstand that. Yes, but from the outside.
0: Yes, not, not the from inside. the inside. No, 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 no. So and that's why you
1: can tell that picture from before of the uh, the module. Yes.
0: Yeah. I, I you can know.
1: you can tell like you can tell it's been like on fire literally.
0: No, no, no. From the outside. No, out, no it I'm was just Apollo Eleven.
1: I'm saying, but it re entered atmosphere. No,
0: this was before it went off, took off. That? No, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's before it took off. Really? Well, maybe not. That I guess I don't like, know for sure.
1: That looks like coming back into okay. the atmosphere. Well, anyway, anyway, let's
0: get back to Apollo 1. So the hatch, so the, the, the door to the command module, wasn't just like. Oh, turn this knob and open it like a door it was a complicated and pretty cumbersome mechanism that consisted of three different layers of the hatch and in the ideal circumstances took about 90 seconds to open oh god so even so just had, like everything's no fine chance. yeah well and it's also, obviously was not ideal
1: it's also made that way because it's going into outer space yes it,
0: it had to be like that basically exactly Um, As workers, so staff outside of the module, obviously not the crew, um, tried to rescue the crew members, the heat, the smoke and the fumes
1: just just kept
0: them at bay. And pressure in the command module was released when the cabin ruptured, which caused a convective rush of air into the fire that fueled even more flames and the oxygen for the fire. Thankfully, eventually did run out, and that made the flames diminish. Um, But there were huge levels of carbon monoxide and heavy smoke inside the cabin, and just soot everywhere.
1: They just had no chance. No. They
0: had no chance. No, they didn't. Mm -mm. It took workers five minutes to finally open the hatch. Um, The cabin lights were still on. But it was difficult to find the crew in the dense smoke. When the smoke cleared, they could see all three crew members. Sorry, this is going to get really dark and then we'll move on. Chaffee was still buckled in. Grissom had unbelted himself and was on the floor. White's restraints had been burned through and he was lying sideways just below the spacecraft hatch. This was all in accordance with procedure. Um, so, if a fire broke out, White was supposed to open the hatch while Chaffee stayed seated to maintain communication. So, they basically followed procedure. They were doing what they were supposed to do. In this case, they just mm. didn't stand a chance. Yeah. Doctors and firefighters arrived a few minutes later um, after the hatch had been opened, but they basically ended up only being able to assist the staff still present. Um, 27 of whom had to be treated for smoke inhalation. Sure, this injured a yeah. bunch of staff, yeah. yeah. Um, and two staff members required hospitalization. They couldn't immediately remove the bodies from the command space module because the astronauts' spacesuits and hoses had partially melted, mm-hmm. and that made them become fused to the cabin interior. Yeah. So it took about an hour and a half to get them out. Hmm. So these poor guys, I mean, the upside is it all happened within like 15 seconds or so. They did know what happened though. It wasn't just like bam. They
1: and they also followed procedure. They for did they when it does happen. They did.
0: They tr- they tried to do exactly what they were supposed to do. It just wasn't going to help them at that point, so.
1: And this module that they're in is so small.
0: Y- yeah, like if you see their picture the, here, and they're just like crammed next to each other.
1: The smoke inhalation alone would have got them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, it really would have. Yep.
0: Well, and we'll, we'll get into that a little bit, but here's a picture just for your edification. Oh, my God. Yeah, the burned <sighs> command service module, so.
1: Wow. So. It looks like a friggin' piece of molten rock.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: that's, oh. And
0: this thing is meant to withstand quite a bit,
1: so. It's with, <laughs> meant to withstand, like, going through temperatures as yes. high as a molten rock. yes. God.
0: So after the tragedy, the Apollo program was put on an immediate hold, obviously, and NASA began an investigation into the cause of the fire. Now, this was a NASA tragedy, and they were the ones investigating. So to avoid accusations Mm. of a conflict of interest, they went straight to President Johnson right after this happened, and they asked for permission from him. Um, to do the investigation, to be the ones to lead the investigation. They promised him that they would deal with everything above board, and he um, granted them permission, and the Apollo 204 Review Board was established. So the command module was impounded by the board, disassembled, and completely investigated. The board also reviewed the autopsy results of the crew members and interviewed the workers who were there during the tragedy. And they issued their report on April 5th, 1967, which seems like a good time frame. They took a, a couple months to really do some work, but they didn't dawdle either. Sure. You know, I, I don't know. I feel like that sounds kind of legit.
1: Well, in, in today's 24-7 news society, you'd have to have, oh, we, we must know what's going on within two days. Right. This is three months later. Which is, they're they're which doing is a thorough... Which is probably what it would take.
0: Yes. Yeah, exactly. Just to
1: find out, like, the basic details of what happened. Right. And I'm sure they still have much more investigating to do, but...
0: Well, this was their final report. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think that was that. So the conclusion of this investigatory board was, and very much in accordance with the autopsy results... All three astronauts had suffered severe third-degree burns while they were still alive. So, unfortunately, they were burned alive. Yeah. But they didn't die from the burns. Uh, they died by cardiac arrest, by their heart stopping, because of inhaling carbon monoxide sure. from the fire. Um, <laughs> <I'm>
1: <laughs> not the greatest combo ever. But
0: no, let's, no. The let, sad let's, thing- let's hope the
1: carbon monoxide, monoxide put them out. Well, like the, before they really...
0: But, yeah, like, yeah. maybe they were unconscious while they were being burned. I mean, yeah. that would be the...
1: I'm, I'm hoping so. That'd be the best-case scenario in I know, and that's this. horrible,
0: but it would be the best-case scenario at that point. Um, no, you might be thinking, weren't they hooked up to oxygen? How could they be inhaling carbon monoxide when they were inhaling oxygen? But, remember, the fire burned through their oxygen hoses part of why they were kind of stuck to the ground. So that's how they ended up inhaling the carbon monoxide. And the oxygen didn't do them much of good. In fact, it fueled the whole fire. Sure.
1: It did Um, them more harm than good.
0: Yes. So unfortunately, worst case scenario is that they all died a really terrifying and painful death. The upside would be even if they were able to feel the burns and stuff, it was very quick regardless, mm-hmm. so at the very least, it didn't last long. It's horrible when we do that, <laughs> when we're, like, looking for the bright side.
1: <laughs> and, the, it, and the bright side is dying of carbon monoxide inhalation. Quickly!
0: At least it was quick, you know. It God. reminds me of, um, did you ever see The Life of Brian, Monty Python?
1: No.
0: Okay, so...
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know where I stand. On. I <laughs> know where you stand on Monty Python, but
0: in the I've end, heard of it. Yes the The idea is that there's this rando guy named Brian around alive around the same time as Christ, and he gets mistaken for Jesus. Oh, okay. Well, the concept it's just, seems yeah, funny, but it just, is funny. Just too so, bad it's British. <laughs> so he get he ends up getting crucified in the end, just like Jesus. So he's hanging there on the cross, and like a guy next to him on the cross, he's like, "Well, you know." You gotta look on the bright side of life and that's when he starts saying, Always look on the bright side of life. <laughs> and that's how it ends. <laughs> it's so anyway, that's sh- I'm two and a half years in. the <laughs> continuum.
1: We we so, are we are trying to get through
0: <laughs> a really long slog of a terrible thing.
1: Yeah. So. With All humor. Right. We're not making fun of anything.
0: No, no. Anybody. We're trying to distract ourselves, yes. basically. All right. Now as for the cause of the accident, as found by the review board or the investigation board, um, they broke it down into five main issues. It was not like this was just one thing. They, they had I, five main issues. It, it rarely is, right?
1: Well, and we're also talking about, like, a, not necessarily a prototype spacecraft, but kind of. They,
0: they were still in testing phases. Yeah. yeah. So it hadn't been proven. Yeah, they were still working. There were on
1: multiple stuff. things that went wrong before the fire happened. So that's
0: true, yeah. They were still trying to iron out the kinks. Yeah, so, they just weren't deadly necessarily.
1: Right. So, in order for a fire to happen, most likely means multiple things cause that, not yes. just one or two things. Yes.
0: So, one thing they found was that there was an ignition source. There wasn't supposed to be a spark or any sort of ignition source in the spacecraft, but there was. Now they couldn't conclusively definitively figure out what was the ignition source. But they did suspect it was a short because of that surge in voltage right before they the um, the audio recorded. Mm -hmm. They were saying there's a fire, Um, and they thought that perhaps the source of that ignition was a short circuit um, in some wiring near Gus Grissom's seat, uh, where he was sitting, Um, or potentially another possibility was inadequate plumbing carrying combustible and corrosive coolant. So that was another possibility. They also found a wire that had been stripped of its insulation, which is not good. Um, But that was most likely because it was worn off when a small access door was repeatedly opened and closed in the course of construction and testing. So it had worn off the coating on it. So they're not 100% sure what was the ignition source. It's most likely that little bundle of wires by Grissom seat, but again, not 100% sure. Another aggravating factor was the atmosphere, the idea of pure oxygen. Obviously, that fed the fire, made the likelihood of any spark turning into a fire a lot greater. Very dangerous. Yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, this, is, uh, this was well understood at the time, that oxygen was highly flammable, um, and the use of pure oxygen was controversial, and they experimented with... Um, subsequently and prior to this with different mixtures of like nitrogen and stuff. I didn't delve super deep into the science of that, but they did have other possibilities other than just sheer oxygen, which obviously that that was a contributing factor. Another thing was the cabin hatch. So the this three-layered hatch that was super cumbersome and the fact that it couldn't be open really quick, especially in a highly pressurized Environment like they had created in the command module, um, that delayed um, their escape, the crew's escape, and it delayed the rescue. Like I said, it was like took them like five minutes to get in. Um, so and just like <laughs> virtually every other fire in a building, we cover. Guess which direction the door opened?
1: <laughs> wow, inward. Yes,
0: <laughs> <God>. not out. <laughs> so now another factor was combustible materials. There was still a 34 square feet of Velcro in this command module. Now, I don't mean just like wallpaper or anything. Sure, but, but it was there. It was was there was just a shit ton of it. Yeah. And Velcro is very flammable, especially in a pure oxygen environment. So, despite the crew's funny like prayer picture and inscription to Joseph Shea, apparently what happened, at least there are reports that this is what happened. Shea was like, get rid of that shit. They did, but then they reinstalled it wow. for some reason okay. prior to sending it to the Kennedy Space Center. It's kind of unsure and unknown whether, you know, like what the... How that were. Happens. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then the last thing was inadequate emergency preparedness. So the cruise escape plan was executed... Obviously, they t- they were doing what they were supposed to do per procedure. Um, they just didn't have the time it, to yeah, do it. It
1: just wasn't gonna happen. No, it really wasn't.
0: The staff near the module had gas masks, which should have helped them be able to get to them faster without being overcome by the smoke and everything. But they the gas masks couldn't handle the type of fire; like they were basically uh, okay. useless in this type yeah. of fire. And there were supposed to be rescue and medical teams present during the testing but there weren't. So they should have been right there, but they weren't. I mean, sure. not that they could have gotten access any earlier. It was, it happened so fast. It was too, here's the thing. Of all these five issues, any one of them being gone, there were still four other issues that could have just as much. Short of, the only thing that, like, maybe could have stopped the whole thing was an ignition source. Like, if without sure. an ignition source, there wouldn't have been a fire, but everything else, you know, any one thing could have caused the problem.
1: And you would think that although they again the, we're talking 51 years ago.
0: 67, yes? Yeah, 51 uh-huh. years 51 ago. years ago. Um
1: there's really no such thing as paramedics. Not really. Not not that, not that, in that late the in time. sector, but right. we're
0: talking they did have medical crews and fire crews sure. on site at NASA.
1: Right. And that's the other thing like it, like they should have had. Well, and they well, should you have said been they. Right there. They yeah. should have, and that yeah. was the,
0: that was a failure of the test. They yeah. should have been right there, but they weren't. Now, again, not that that would have saved them. Right. It, yeah. It was probably, just uncovered in the course of the investigation. Look, you should have been there. Mm-hmm. Maybe it wouldn't have saved them, but maybe in the future, if something less severe happens, you know, we you, you can, do you need can start to be there. spraying
1: a hose on this right, right away. Right. And
0: something. At least you
1: know. give somebody a chance. Right. Buy him some, you know.
0: Yeah, in a different type yeah. of emergency, yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. Plus, you might model make that hatch open outward.
0: Yeah, just just <laughs> a thought, just some notes we made here. So now let's talk God. about the fallout of this whole thing. Yeah. So I'm sure that the emotional and tr- like just PTSD fallout of this fire were massive and extended through the crew's family and friends. I mean,
1: plus all the people that work there.
0: Yes. So from what I can tell, because there
1: are thousands of people yes, working on this project, yes. and this affected all of them.
0: Absolutely. Now, from I, I didn't, I honestly didn't dig into each of the astronaut, each of the each, astronauts, each of the crew members, like I did on like Columbia, um, because this was kind of turning into a, a larger episode anyway. But I mean. Even just looking at them, these are all younger men. None of them are like seventy. Years I was gonna old. say,
1: uh, Gus Grissom is Maybe looking like he's 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 definitely in his forties yeah. for sure. The other two guys are probably twenties, thirties. I would say late twenties to mid yeah. at thirties. At yeah. I mean the
0: whole point was that they needed physically fit men. These yeah. were not gonna Young be men. these were not gonna be old men. So and these are this this is was in the sixties, so I know for a fact some of them had kids. If not all of them had wives and kids. They obviously had parents, siblings, you know. So obviously the ripple effect of grief and trauma went pretty far. And like you said, through NASA, Um, many NASA staff who ended up testifying before Congress, which we're going to get to in a second about that, um, spent the flight flying from Houston to D.C., quote, sobbing all the way. In the plane. So they like, this was not a happy time for anyone at NASA. They oh, lost no. their co workers. Yeah. They lost in a horrible manner. And it was just terrible.
1: Also, they've also. Because they don't know what's going to happen in the next couple of years, right? As is far as they know, as far up? as they know, their work is probably over.
0: Maybe that's yep. probably
1: what they're all thinking too.
0: Yeah. So it's compounded not only the trauma, but just the unknown, and absolutely, it just must have been such a volatile time. Um, the NASA employee who took it the worst, though, was Joseph Shea, the engineer mm-hmm. who is who they sent this funny picture mm-hmm. to. After the fire, he had problems sleeping. And eventually developed a pill and alcohol ca- habit in order to try to cope. Sure. Understandably. Um, his coworkers started worrying about him, saying that he started to have bouts of just, like, rambling and becoming incoherent. So he was losing it. Um, eventually, he suffered from what they called back then a nervous breakdown. Well, so, it's... You know, yeah. just, just horrid amounts of PTSD and stress, obviously. NASA Administrator James Webb eventually suggested he take a leave of absence, but Shea refused. And an assessment, he agreed to take an assessment from an independent psychiatrist, which they did, and the psychiatrist found him fit for his job. Okay. But someone else in NASA said, like, this guy was super smart. He could, like, figure out a way through it. Finagle his
1: way through a Exactly. Yeah.
0: Eventually, Shea was reassigned to D.C. for NASA in an office job. Like, look, you just got to be a desk, <sighs> desk jockey now. Yeah. Um, and he left just a couple months later because he wasn't meant to write a desk. He eventually came became a manager for Raytheon, which is a big government yes. defense contractor. Yes,
1: they are. Um, Very prevalent today.
0: <laughs> yeah. He went on to teach at MIT and died naturally in his 70s. So, thankfully... He he made it through. I'm sure the rest of his life wasn't a piece of cake. No. But he he, you seems know, seems like he still lived
1: at least a fulfilling life in he, some way.
0: He he still worked. Not he every, still was.
1: <laughs> not everybody uh, who can't sleep and has an alcohol and pill problem goes on to teach at MIT.
0: Exactly. Well, do you remember? This reminded me of the uh, USS Indianapolis captain yes. He yeah. Yeah. killed himself. Yeah. yeah. So at
1: least he didn't do that. He,
0: thankfully, he didn't fall into such a depression that, I'm that saying, he completed suicide. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The USSS, uh, the USS Indianapolis captain wasn't wrong for doing what he did. I mean, he just, you
0: know. He, he, well, the, that poor guy got blacklisted. Like yeah. he, he got, he was wrongly accused of an awful yeah. lot of stuff. From what I could tell, this guy wasn't necessarily like meaning with a lot of criticism any more than anyone else at NASA from the outside. It was just his own internal struggle. So fortunately, he was able to fight through it, you know? And I I just feel so bad for people who are involved. Like, clearly... Nobody did anything intentionally. Well, no. Or even negligently. No, I mean...
1: Nobody had the intention of burning three astronauts alive. No.
0: Or even negligently. Like, yeah. um Like the Sampung department store yeah, that we talked that about just was, last week. That was that specific. That asshole yeah. was deliberately... Do, Lee Joon was deliberately a- doing something. Adding,
1: adding floors and shaving down beams. Yes. <laughs> like that's, but that's
0: yeah. not what they that's were That's not doing what's here. happening here. No. 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 They were not... It was kind of like a perfect... <laughs> A perfect storm in a way. I mean, th- this is what ha- can happen with experimental they were doing, technology. They were doing
1: a test flight, yeah, essentially. Mm-hmm. And what that test revealed is uh, you can die on the launching pad. Yes. So. Yeah.
0: So. Now NASA had its own investigation. Found very specific things that were a problem so that it's not like they were letting going easy on themselves or anything. But both the House and the Senate of the United States Congress (laughs) launched their own investigations into the fire. The Senate was especially hostile towards NASA with Senator Walter Mondale. Ah. accusing NASA engineers of, specifically accusing them of criminal negligence. So he was like, no, you are at fault on this, which, like, we just said wasn't really the case. But this guy was, was on them about yeah. that. Yeah,
1: And because that guy's foresight was so great, he uh, would later, in 1984, go on to lose in the biggest blowout election in presidential history. Was
0: it that bad? I knew he, he ran won, for president. He
1: won a state.
0: A state? Which state? A state.
1: state? <laughs> Whichever one he was from, oh, okay. but I can't, but I can't Home remember. States. Yes, but he lost forty-nine to one
0: uh, to Reagan. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh, so, so, this is so just t- before I was born. So take,
1: so, so take whatever Walter Mondale has to say with a huge grain of salt.
0: Well, so he was a Democrat.
1: <laughs> yes, he was. Oh,
0: okay. Okay. If so, this is the
1: same one, we're it must yes, be. yes. This, yeah. this,
0: this is the Senator Walter Mondale. now. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the biggest points of contention in the Senate's investigation was the choice of NASA to choose North American Aviation Administrator... Sorry, <laughs> skipped a line. North Admi- North,
1: <laughs> North Administrative American Space Navy.
0: Oh, this Alien. is such a long episode.
1: Devastator.
0: North American Aviation as its main contractor for the Apollo program. Okay, the NAA. NAA, yes. About a year before the fire, in December 65, NASA Deputy Administrator Robert Siemens... Um, and Manned Space Flight Administrator George Mueller were present for a report given by Apollo Program Director Major, major General Samuel Phillips. So, so many goddamn <laughs> names. I
1: like Majoral, though. Majoral. Majoral should be That's somebody's. A General, it's a Major General. is a major.
0: So anyway. That
1: should be somebody's title.
0: Phillips. I'm just going to use last names. Phillips gave a report that Siemens and Mueller were present for. Not the Mueller we know now. This is different Mueller. This is a long time ago. The report was the result of an investigation into the cost overages and the scheduled delays in the Apollo program, which included the role of NAA, North American Aviation, played in those problems. And it caused a bit of a ruckus and a scandal in the Senate, because many members of the Senate thought that this report should have been made public when it was released. But it had not been. So they're like, look, there was some secret shit going on, and that played some sort of a role, but they ended up determining that the NAA and that whole, like, secret-secret thing didn't really play any sort of role. Maybe it was improper, but it didn't play a role in this particular fire. So it never really amounted to much other than just, like, a little kerfuffle in the Senate.
1: Sure, because it seems to me, and I, I don't know what the current state of NASA is, um, I'm gonna guess defunded, but year underfunded. by year, yeah, underfunded, yes. not defunded.
0: Yeah, underfunded.
1: Um, but I, from everything I've seen, everything I've read, documentaries I've watched, stuff about this time, is they were in it for the nobility of it. it they were in it yeah. for the the exploration like there there, 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 was a, there was a tinge of yeah we'll
0: beat we'll beat those commies to <laughs> yeah. space
1: there was a bit of that it sure it was a
0: really idealized time yes you know there was a lot of like look at all we can do and we finally maybe are on the brink of the technology we're
1: talking now. about 50 fucking years ago all right i mean it's it's insane
0: yep and we like you. We we wouldn't be looking at our iPhones today if it weren't for all this shit going on. No, like it all. Fed absolutely no. There'd each be other, no video you know? games.
1: There'd be mm-hmm. uh, there'd be none of that shit. Yep. There there wouldn't be. You wouldn't have a remote control mm-hmm. for your television. Right. You know. I mean, it's you
0: couldn't talk on a cell phone. Nope. It's all satellite.
1: Absolutely not. So
0: well, cell towers. Whatever. No. It's shit in space.
1: <laughs> it's just shit in space.
0: Shit in space.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Which would be the fallout of the actual space program. <laughs> I saw I saw a documentary on that too, space junk.
0: Space junk. Oh well, that's true. Mm-hmm. Fair enough.
1: But um, but no, I, I I get the feeling that these people were in it for the the greater good and for the exploration in themselves. Because I mean, human right. beings. It's, How
0: far <laughs> can we push ourselves? Yeah. It's in
1: every human being's DNA, not. Doesn't matter what country human beings what are, are natural
0: capable of that
1: and we're natural explorers. Yes. We're like, mm-hmm. okay, we've been to a lot of places on Earth at this point. We haven't been to outer space. Where
0: can we go from here? Yeah.
1: yeah. So that's part of that's part of it.
0: Yes, I, I agree. And and these are like a lot of NASA employees, certainly the astronaut crews mostly made of, like we've already said, service people, people who had already served in the armed forces. These are not You know, weak need people. These are very like.
1: No, these are. These guys knew.
0: These guys knew. Just like Grissom said in that interview, they're like, you know, it's possible we're not going to make it out of this. Yeah. And they like when you and I go to work every day, we're not thinking, well, it's possible we may not make it out of this. (laughs) I could, I could suffer some terrible bookkeeping accident, you know.
1: (laughs) Well, occasionally when I have to ride on the cargo elevator, I feel like I may not make it out of this. (laughs) It's it's not. You have a little more danger yeah, than I do. It's not, it's not functioning again.
0: Uh, that's true.
1: But, uh, but, but nobody's but not, nobody's looking. At, there's not no. a there's not a B and a C team like looking over my shoulder, looking to take my job or whatever. If I they can't have a
0: backup crew, they have
1: two backup crews.
0: Yes, for in case you die, we can keep going. <laughs> or in on. case
1: you're not good enough. Yeah. One or the other.
0: Yeah. A lot know? of competition and a lot of just idealism. Yeah. So. so after all this shit happened and the Apollo program had been suspended, it's like, well, we know we landed on the moon within a few years. Or uh, just years. a little
1: over two and about two. Yeah. Years. We landed on the moon on my dad's 28th birthday.
0: Yes, that's right. So, like, how did that happen after this horrificness? Well, big part of what helped was when President Johnson, who used to be a senator and who was able to help smooth things over from a political perspective with congress by virtue of that he had been a senator and then he did the smartest thing ever and played the dead president card and was like look this is this is president kennedy's um legacy it's his moonshot literally which we use now as like a an analogy but this is the moonshot We need to keep pursuing this. We still need to do it by the end of the decade. And what happened? Everyone said, all right. So, the Apollo program continued. Flight director Gene Kranz, notably portrayed by one Ed Harris... In Apollo 13,
1: who is still in every movie, TV <laughs> yes. show that ever comes out, <laughs>
0: and like Paul and Young Ron said, um, always has an earpiece in every yes. film he or every movie he does. Yeah. Oh, and is also in Westworld. That's
1: what I was saying. Like he's, yeah, he yeah. shows up in that. It's like okay, he's, in he's, he's just yes. in everything.
0: Yep. He gave a rousing speech, not Ed Harris. Gene Quintz, <laughs> the actual person. I'm just
1: going to imagine it was Ed Harris. Okay.
0: Gave a rousing speech to NASA's mission control staff just a few days after the fire. And to note, he was about my age when he did this. He was just in his early, like early, mid-30s. He famously stated, quote, We were too gung-ho about the schedule, and we blocked out all of the problems we saw each day on, in our work. So he took responsibility for, like, look... We pushed too hard, and we became blind to the potential issues here. Yeah,
1: to what could possibly happen.
0: Right. It wasn't negligence, but he was still taking responsibility. And then he went on to say, quote, From this day forward, flight control will be known by two words, tough and competent. Tough means we are forever accountable for what we do or what we fail to do. Competent means we will never take anything for granted. Mission control will be perfect.
1: Wow. yeah.
0: It's a nice speech, huh?
1: Well, it's it's somebody has to take responsibility. So if you're gonna put yourself mm-hmm. out there mm-hmm. and tell the truth, which is yes. what it sounds like you did. Yes um, then every, then the pressure's off everybody else. Yes. Pressures all on him.
0: Well, plus, like the smartest thing you can do, and this goes for everybody from, like, a politician to somebody who truly fucks up to somebody who made just a small mistake to any walk of life. Fucking own it. Yeah. People are a lot more forgiving than you think. Yeah. And even in th- if they aren't, it is way better to live coming clean yeah. and claiming your responsibility than to be a fucking coward who just tries to Pass slap it all off. the buck
1: or whatever.
0: Nobody respects those people. No, Not publicly, not privately, nothing. No.
1: I mean, if you own it, people, for the most part, will forgive you.
0: Shot to a shocking but extent. They're sometimes.
1: not going to forget it, per no. se. But.
0: But you just take it every time. That's, that's the penance you pay. Mm-hmm. Is that, okay, you might have to be reminded of it. But you just fucking own it and you fucking move on. And that is way better than just pretending and like you didn't it, and have to. Then that it part
1: allows yet. everybody else to move on too.
0: Yes, it really does. So, on July twentieth, nineteen sixty-nine, your dad's 28th birthday. Mm-hmm. Hi, Omer. You're not listening, but mm-hmm. hi anyway.
1: None of us kids were born yet.
0: That's right. Renee, not even Renee. Renee was
1: not born until she
0: was in utero. N-
1: yes, she was.
0: Mm-hmm. The moonshot was achieved when astronauts Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin became the first humans. That we know, of. but yes, first that we know of. to walk on the moon, along with Michael <laughs> Collins. That's would the you guy have been I was able trying to remember. No, but I would he not was the been. guy. He was the guy who was like, "Well, we'll get you back." Yeah,
1: he was the guy. We Just like, as important, he was the guy saying nobody will remember me.
0: But <laughs> so crucial, <laughs> yes, so crucial. He was the bass player of that. <laughs> <laughs> of that ensemble
1: No he was the drummer
0: I, Well okay We're always gonna have That <laughs> argument He was the drummer And bass player the
1: Bass player landed on the moon <sighs>
0: No, are you kidding? The lead vocalist and the lead guitarist landed on the moon.
1: No, it was That's only three works. people, so it was, it was guitar-based.
0: Okay, if you're talking power. Training, it was a gu- yes. It was a
1: guitar lead singer. Well, then the, the bass, bass player, player was Buzz
0: Aldrin. Clearly, the That's lead what I'm guitar saying. player yeah. was is Neil Armstrong, Armstrong and lead singer. Okay, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> so they were the crew of Apollo Eleven, the twelfth of the Apollo missions. And now, while the crew on board Apollo 13 had a very scary go of things, um, as depicted in Apollo 13, um, otherwise, there were no additional fatalities in pursuit of the Apollo no, program. No, there it were not. It was just these three guys, nope. unfortunately, in the very beginning. The
1: space shuttle has had more deaths than the Apollo yes, program. Columbia
0: and Challenger. Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: That was a total of 14 people between the two. Yeah. And this was only three. It was
0: just, well, well only just... Three. I mean, look at their little faces, those poor guys. Look at how cute they are there.
1: I'm not going to use that word, but uh, they look determined. They look like...
0: Well you wouldn't see the same thing. I see no. I see cute like
1: Well I uh, here's what I see. I see a couple of younger young slash bucks. experienced guys with yeah. the with stone cold veteran. Yeah. Like that's you what I tell.
0: see. You can see the yeah. he, he's the one in the middle there. Yeah. You can see he's, he's got kind the of buzz the no cut. Nonsense. He's got the fifties buzz cut. He's the no nonsense guy. He's and like I've there's...
1: had he's like I've had the same haircut since and I was twelve <laughs> years old. And it's never changed.
0: And then there's kind of younger guy, but whose hairline is receding. And then the real young gun of the group.
1: Yeah. You know? That guy looks like at that time he's probably like 28 or 29. Mm,
0: I should have looked into them way more than I did. They're so cute. They're so sweet. And they're dead. It's <laughs> the most depressing thing I've ever said on this. And
1: podcast. with that, I'm, Let I'm David. Let me continue. <laughs> She's Rachel.
0: I'm almost we'll done. See you next no, hold week. on. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> So, all right. So, Apollo 12, 14, 15, and 16 also... Had successful moon landings, so they also had people walk on the moon.
1: Obviously, we omitted Apollo thirteen because it never, not, never landed no, on the moon.
0: Unfortunately, poor guys. And that was one thing that they really drove home in the movie too. Was just like, I mean, <laughs> they were Thank yes, God so they got a they, got, al- they <laughs> got home alive. They get
1: to orbit the moon.
0: They did get to orbit the moon, but
1: they didn't land on it. But
0: that scene where like. They they are looking at the Earth from the you know the moon's perspective, and then when Tom Hanks is looking, he's just like shit. We're not gonna make it, are we? And because it, it, at that point it was kind of like look either we're gonna die in the spaceship why or
1: would, on the moon. Why would you think you're gonna make it?
0: <laughs> like that that was that was really sad because yeah, those guys did go through all that shit and didn't even get to land on the moon. Nope. So
1: But at least they came back alive. They
0: did come back alive and that's wonderful. And Kathleen Quinlan had her husband back and the whole day. She did. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And Apollo seventeen, the last of the mm-hmm. Apollo missions, also successfully landed on the moon. Um, and that was the last on December tenth, nineteen seventy-two. So a total of twelve astronauts have actually walked on the surface of the moon. And no one else has since. Mm-mm. And that, my friends...
1: <laughs> <laughs> you, just, you just woke up Jesse.
0: I did just wake up Jesse. He
1: was all nice and cute.
0: Was the story, the very sad, very American story of the Apollo one Fire.
1: Yeah, and that was very sad.
0: It was. It kind of turned into a Drunk History episode at the end. I apologize for that. It's okay. <laughs> it's, it's really... <laughs> I don't know, these It's sad. It is sad. There every episode we do is sad. Nobody's life is worth more than anybody else's. Nobody's death is sadder than anybody else's. It's just that these ones that we've done where we're specifically talking about a few people which we normally avoid. We do. Because like they're not more widespread tragedies and such and to be fair we've been very american well, when in you're years. when you're
1: talking about hundreds or thousands of people dying in any given tragedy you can't go over specific no. individuals no, you can't who die because yeah. there are hundreds and thousands yes. of them you we go over people who had a hand in the tragedy or you know a few survivor details here right, and there right. if, if we can get the research on it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But uh, but this is very specific, it's specific. And, very, and very historical.
0: It is, but it's, it's also like these deaths are just as tragic. I mean, every death is equally tragic. Let's just put that out there. But the fact that people are willing to sacrifice and they knew that there was that risk so much, like, I wouldn't do that.
1: No, I wouldn't I, either. I
0: fully admit I wouldn't do that. I would just be like, I won't even jump out of a fucking plane, which is less risky than what they did. You know, like ratio wise. So th- if someone were like, look, you can really advance science and technology in America or in the world. And you will play a hugely important role in everything that happens here on after in technology but there's a chance you might die. Like, even a 10% chance, even a 5% chance, even a 2% chance. You you could. You could die. I would say, yeah, no thanks. And that's why, like, I admire people like these guys, because they saw that and they're like, you know what, fuck it. Yeah. Let's go for it. It's worth it. it. Let's do it. Because, Because advancement like that Rarely, if it ever happens, without costs, huge costs, sometimes human
1: costs. Well, as, as the old saying goes, you know... Can't wanna... make
0: a cake with... Or, can't make an omelet. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. I should just let you do it. <laughs>
1: if you want to make an omelet, you got to break a couple eggs. of eggs.
0: <laughs> okay, i that clearly reached... can Not that you
1: can't make an omelet. <laughs> I can't, but I could.
0: I can. I made yes, that big batch of scrambled eggs when we accidentally uh, volunteered. yes. Yes, I did really well at that too. <laughs> For a vegan, I made some good, very, very good scrambled eggs. And
1: if you're scramble wondering what eggs, she meant by accidentally don't. volunteered, Mike that's, listen, that's,
0: Mark listens to this.
1: That's a whole other story. I said until Mike volunteered. Mike Mark. Mike.
0: <laughs> this has devolved so badly. Let's end it.
1: Yes. This is been... um,
0: Well, rest in peace. Yes. Salute to um, Chaffee, White, and Grissom. True American heroes. Of Apollo One. Of Apollo One.
1: Yes. Absolutely true pioneers. Very American. And very
0: responsible for our eventual landing on the moon. Yes. A huge event in American history.
1: Yes. And this has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David.
0: I'm very drunk, Rachel.
1: (laughs) We'll see you next week. Maybe.